This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What is an algorithm? How does it work? And what role do algorithms play in our day-to-day lives? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. It's happened to all of us. You're on your news feed looking at videos and information catered to your interests, and then an ad pops up that relates to that interest. Then you find yourself in a hole with more of that information that seems handpicked for you. That, of course, is because of an algorithm. But that's not the only use for this set of instructions that inform what we see on the internet. Algorithms are present in so many other parts of our lives as well. So who's behind the creation of these algorithms that we use each and every day? What are the benefits and risks that they pose? And how will algorithms evolve in our constantly changing technological landscape? Well, here to help break down the complex world of algorithms is professor of computer science at the University of Washington and author of The Master Algorithm, Dr. Pedro Domingos. And Dr. Domingos joins me now to talk all about algorithms. Pedro, how are you doing? Great. How are you? I am great. And it's so funny because people think all the time, they hear this word algorithm. We know it affects us in social media. We know it's used for other things. But just basic definition, what the heck is an algorithm? An algorithm is just a sequence of instructions. It's how you tell a computer what to do. If you imagine explaining to someone how to carry out a task, how to cook something or how to repair something, that's an algorithm. The big difference is that for computers, the algorithms have to be completely precise and unambiguous in a way that humans don't 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 need it. But that's all it is. It's it's how you tell the computer what to do. So how do you achieve that? I mean, that you said they had to be unprecise in a way that human isn't a human isn't. Yeah, because, you know, uh, the amazing thing about humans or one of many amazing things is that we understand natural language and natural language uh, is is a really uh, sophisticated and efficient way to communicate right a lot of when when you're talking with someone a lot of what you actually uh, want to communicate with them you don't actually have to say explicitly uh, it, it goes unsaid ah. you can infer it from what I'm saying there's a lot of details that we already share so you know I don't have to keep repeating them Computers, unfortunately, are not that smart. You know, these days they're getting smarter and they're starting to understand the natural language. But, you know, for the most part, computers are still programmed by giving them these very, very precise instructions. And, you you know, one way to think about this is, is the following. Computers are also a miracle in their own right because a computer is just a bunch of transistors. And in the beginning, the way you got computers to do what you wanted them to do was to flip a bunch of switches. You literally had to flip <laughs> thousands of switches, you know, to configure the computer to do what you wanted to do. And, and between that and giving instructions in 
natural language in English or another language, there's a huge gap and we've bridged some of that gap. We started with this thing called assembly code, which was a very simple language, very co close to the machine. And now there are what we call high level languages, things like Python and Java and C, which are what uh, uh, programmers and computer scientists use all the time. And that's what they write their algorithms in. And, and hopefully, you know, we will get before long to the point where you don't need to do that in all that level of detail. But for the time being, for the most part, that's how computers are programmed. Wow. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, it's probably hard to explain without getting into the nitty gritty of exactly what the code is. But I was going to ask you how algorithms are designed to work. How do you build an algorithm? Is it a sequence of letters and, you know, how is it a language that you learn and then you apply it and you create something new from that? No, exactly. It's it's a lot like learning a foreign language. So programming language is like like a foreign language. So you could learn French or Chinese or uh, Spanish or whatever and, and speak that language. To speak to computers, you need to learn their language. And their languages are things like Python and Java. And there's people who write, like to write in different languages. But it really is uh, the language is a set of words and a set of constructs that, that you can then use to explain to the computer what to do. So for example, uh, you know, here's a number, here's another one, now add them. Now, mm -hmm. you know, repeat this a thousand times, add these two numbers and then divide them by a third and then print out the results. And, you know, just to give a slightly more sophisticated example, when you see a Pixar movie, the movie was generated by an algorithm. Somebody wrote down oh. uh, for the computer uh, how to create those things. Now, of course, they didn't do it from scratch. Uh, people build on each other. So for example, I can write a system for making movies that then Pixar uses to make a particular movie, but it's all many levels of, of, of algorithms, each building on the previous one, each one using the other one as their subroutines. That, I didn't think about it that way because you think of animation and things like that, but you're right. I mean, in order to actually build the movie that does take an algorithm. Yeah. If exactly. I learned Java, and I also speak English. Could I say I'm bilingual? <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're like that's no. A funny thought. <laughs> I think, uh, um, but but to just answer that that question semi seriously for a second, I think learning Java doesn't qualify you as bilingual because the richness of a foreign language is of another level mm. uh, from something like Java. Java is a very, uh, it's more like learning the rules of a game, right? If you know how to play chess, you know what moves to make. And you say, I want to take your king, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this sequence of moves. Learning Java is a little bit more like that. So it's <laughs> it's more like learning the rules of a game than naturally learning a foreign language. I like that. That's, that's a good way to describe it, because you're right. There is a lot about foreign languages that are way more, way richer in, uh, in substance and things like that. But it actually kind of brings me to a point that I had, too, about AI, because something that we've been talking about recently, especially, is how AI, you have this computer learning, but can it mimic things that humans do? So um, I want to know from you, when it comes to algorithms, is an algorithm AI, or do you see AI sharpening that algorithmic tool as we progress forward uh, and going kind of more hand in hand? 
Well, there's a very big difference between traditional algorithms and machine learning. Machine learning, by the way, is what I do for a living. It's what I did my PhD in 30 years ago and have been doing ever since. Wow. And, and the big difference, and it is a huge difference, is that in traditional you know, computer programming, you have to explain to the computer what you want it to do. So, for example, uh, if you want a computer to uh, diagnose lung cancer from x-rays, you have to write a program specifying, well, here's what you look for, here's how you detect this little thing in the x-ray that maybe is a tumor, and you have to explain all of that. And the truth is, we, we don't know how to do that very well. Uh, and, and, and therefore, programs written that way tend to not work very well. With machine learning, uh, you do something different. The program the, is learned by the computer itself from data. So machine oh. learning is the computer is writing the algorithm. And the way it writes the algorithm is by looking at examples of the input and the correct output. So, for example, uh, you can give the computer a bunch of x-rays and you say, well, this one doesn't have a tumor. This one has a tumor there. And then the computer from that learns its own algorithm for, for, for detecting uh, lung cancer or for anything else, for driving a car. You know, self-driving cars learn by watching people drive. They watch the video, they watch what's on the road, they watch what people do, and they learn to correlate the two things. So so in machine learning, and this is really what is behind the air evolution these days, the computers now don't need to wait for humans to program them in all that great detail. Uh, if they have enough data, and these days in many areas there's a lot of data, they can learn to do very sophisticated things very quickly just by correlating the inputs with the outputs. So do you think that one day machine learning and AI will overtake the need for anyone to write an algorithm? That is a great question. I, I can see a scenario in which that happens. In fact, today, probably, you know, everybody knows about ChatGPT, yep. but probably the biggest success of that type of model uh, is something called Copilot. And Copilot is something that Microsoft put out using a very a technology very similar to JetGPT, where it's a copilot for a programmer. So it learns to code and does some of your coding for you. You're coding things up and it suggests things, or you say something in natural language and then it, it, it writes it in code. So there's already a lot that the computer can do. Now, and I think, you know, one of the most exciting things about all this is that we are getting to the point where anyone can program a computer, which was really always my goal at least, is programming computers shouldn't just be for professional computer scientists. It should be like, you know, you think of an app that you'd like to have and you explain what the app is in English and the computer starts doing that. And then maybe I like it, you give it to me and before you know it, there's a million people using it or or a billion. Right. Now, whether, whether at the end of the day, we will always want some people to be doing some programming the traditional way? My guess is that probably yes, for two reasons at least. One is that there's a whole stack of infrastructure below the machine learning, from the hardware to the operating system to the learning algorithms themselves, which we probably want. We do want that unambiguous language, even if it's more work. And the other thing is that for certain types of control, right, when we have very powerful AI at the highest level, we still want it to be controlled by humans. For that kind of control, again, we do, I think, want that precision of a programming language, even if it's more work. Right. Uh, that's an interesting point that you bring up 
about being able to describe an app and then it, it writing the code for you. How about I do that? I come up with a great idea and then I'll give you a discount. You can buy it from me. I'll give you a discount. And you can buy it for a million dollars. Oh, absolutely. You could Great. become a billionaire overnight because, you know, one morning as you were brushing your teeth, you thought of something, uh, you told the computer and then you you allowed it to then sell it to other people. And, you know, when you come home for dinner that night, you've just made the billion dollars. <laughs> that sounds really nice. I want to live in that world. All right. We've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I, I also, I want to talk about to... Because we we bring up AI, and I don't want to make this too much AI, but it, it is part of the conversation. We talk all the time about the dangers of artificial intelligence, how it can kind of get away from us. Are there any dangers of algorithms people should watch out for? Uh, well, yes, you know, you know, we we have quite a bit of experience with algorithms by now because you know people first started writing them in the '40s and '50s, and and then they became more complex and whatnot. The single biggest danger from algorithms, and by by the way, also from AI, there's a lot of fantasies about AI dangers that I I, I think people need to calm down with. But no. the, the biggest danger of AI is, is that it screws up, right? Algorithms make mistakes, uh, often because the person, uh, part of the difficulty in, in writing algorithms is that you have to think of, about all the ways in which it's going to be applied and all the things that could go wrong, and you always miss them. In computer science, we often call these corner cases. And, and corner cases are, are, are a real problem. And, and just plain bugs, right? You, you just wrote something the wrong way. And then, uh, and then uh, that can have consequences. Like, for example, there was a, 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 a European rocket that exploded some years ago because one part of the system was using metric units and the other one was using no. uh, imperial units. And it passed whatever inches, and the other side thought they were centimeters, and the rocket just went off course and and exploded. That seems so th like a very costly miscommunication. Exactly. It, yeah. And you know, another one was like you know, it, again, just to give you a sense of this, uh, there was there's this you know programming language for science, very old one, the first one of all called Fortran, and somebody got like one character wrong. I forget whether, let's say, instead of a semicolon, they had a colon or something. And because of that, something else blew up as well. I, I forget what wow. area this was in. Uh, but but that's that's the kind of you know uh, dangers and at the same time, the kind of stakes that you have when, when you write an algorithm. For sure. I, we talk about the dangers of algorithms. What about the things that make our lives easier? Is there something besides social media, because I want to get into that in a second, but is there something besides social media that we do on a day-to-day -day basis that we don't necessarily realize is done by an algorithm? Oh, yes. The answer to that is very simple. And the answer is everything. <laughs> Almost everything you do in daily life involves algorithms. First of all, anytime you're using a computer or your smartphone or your TV or any of those obvious things, they are full of algorithms. But not only that, like your car is full of algorithms. You might not see algorithms when you drive your car, but there's thousands of algorithms running in your car all the time. 
It's not just the GPS, it's the injection. There's a there's a, a system there figuring out how much you know gas to inject at any given cycle and and you know thousands of things like that. And if you pick up any product in the supermarket, uh, I, I would challenge you to come up with one that hasn't, you know, that that getting it to you from the raw materials to manufacturing it to to getting to the market. I would challenge you to find any any product in the supermarket that computers weren't involved in making it. That is fascinating. You're right. Supply chain, trying to get it from point A to point B and what you can do with a computer, it probably figures it out a lot quicker. No, yeah, for example, uh, uh, Amazon, right? Uh, they, Amazon is a giant computer system from the moment you click saying that you want something to the moment the thing shows up at your door. They have all these systems to figure out where to get it and then how to get it from one point to another. They even have these things that they call predictive delivery where it predicts what you want before you even order it so you can get it, uh, you know, uh, faster than you thought was possible. And and as the, as they've told me, uh, they're going to start sending us things that we don't order uh, because they're confident uh, that we are going to order them. I don't like that. Them, <laughs> I don't well, like you'll that. you have a choice. You, you <laughs> have that option of, of, of you know, you, you can always you can always choose not to do that. But the funny thing was, like, I asked them, so what if it delivers something to me, um, you know, that that I didn't want? He said, they said, like, oh, well, you can keep it. Oh, well, good. Then, yeah, then I do want that's that. That's how confident they are. <laughs> It's true. It's, you know, you see on the, uh, like on an Alexa, it says, oh, you might be running low in XYZ. You might need to restock. And I'm like, yeah, I do need to restock. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah, that's pretty wild. All right. Let's talk about social media because that's something people experience a lot. Algorithms have been a focal point when it comes to talking about it because you're like, oh, I'm still seeing this. How did it know? I, you know, I also want to vary up what I'm seeing. How does it work when it comes to social media? The way it works in social media is that they have what you call a recommender system. And the recommender system is something that chooses, for example, Twitter. You know, every every moment people are posting millions of things on Twitter. And even just the people that I follow, uh, any, any day they post thousands of things. So in the old days, very old days, uh, Twitter or Facebook or whatever would just show you the things from the people you follow in sequence. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that there's just too many of those. You'll never get through them. So it uses a machine learning algorithm to figure out which of those things you are most likely to be interested in or most likely to engage with is, 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 the, is the terminology. And then it shows you those. So in essence, there's an algorithm that's running Twitter that's deciding who sees what. And this algorithm, of course, is crucial because the better it works, hopefully the happier you are and the more money they make. But also, you know, if that algorithm screws up or starts showing you, you know, misinformation or things that are wrong in some way, then a lot of people are going to get very angry. And that's exactly what we're seeing these days. Right. It's true. The amount of hiking boots I have bought on Instagram from them recognizing that I love hiking and I just I don't need it. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
when it comes to also people realizing that AI is error, sorry, algorithms are so essential to our everyday life. If you're going to describe it to someone, are algorithms complex? I mean, when I hear or even see an algorithm and how it's written and things like that, I'm like, whoa, none of that makes sense. How complex is it? Well, the algorithms that we use, for example, the Twitter algorithm, right, which is literally really a bunch of algorithms all working to add together, is extremely complex. It's so complex. I mean, we have these computer systems today that are so complex that nobody really understands how the whole system works. So at some level, that's uh, problematic and maybe even dangerous. But, but there's always a level at which the algorithm is very simple. And that's the level that you, the user, should care about. So you don't necessarily need to know the details of how the Twitter algorithm works. You just need to understand at a high level what it's doing so that you can hopefully control it. Now, these days, we don't have enough control. We should have, be able to have more control. But for example, when you interact with a computer with the icons on the screen and your mouse and whatnot, that level is pretty simple, right? Yeah. You pick something up, you move it to a different folder, you type something in. So, you know, it's, it's not that complex. All the stuff under it that makes it go is very complex, but for the most part, you don't have to worry about it. You know, it's like driving a car, right? Uh, you don't need to understand how the engine of the car works. That's for the mechanics. But you do need to understand how to use the steering wheel and pedals. And in a way, algorithms and computers are, are just the same. That's a really good way to describe it. And it's true. I don't need to know. that Unless my car breaks down, then what? I don't know. Well, great question. So when your car breaks down, you actually have two choices. One is, you know, you just get it to a mechanic and don't worry about it, yeah. which is what most people will do, right? But another one is you could learn the internals and have a lot of fun. Some people, you know, do that for fun, like, you know, fixing their cars and whatnot. So that's also an option. That's true. I could go learn how to write an algorithm and it is fine. And yeah. Then you could start creating your own thing. I don't, I don't need AI to write an app for me. I can just do it on my own and then sell it to you, Pedro. But there's going to be well, an upcharge. Yeah. I mean, and the thing about algorithms that has always fascinated me, and that's why I'm a computer scientist, is that algorithms are a fantastic a creative tool. Mm -hmm. You know, when you create a painting, it's very beautiful, but it just sits there. With algorithms, you can create a whole universe that works according to your rules, and you're the god of that universe. I mean, think of all these game environments and games that are multiplayer, and like it's a whole universe that people are living in that was that came out of somebody's imagination. So you know, algorithms in a way are are, are living creativity. Yeah, especially when you think about Pixar movies. <laughs> that is a yeah, well, a exactly. very That's basic show example. of creativity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So just the last question I have for you, Pedro, is what is the most important thing you think people should know about algorithms, especially because they influence our lives every single day? I think the most important thing they need to know is that all of these things that they use, like social media and, and, and web search and whatnot, they are controlled by, by algorithms. And the algorithm is controlled by what is called the objective function. The objective function is the steering wheel of the algorithm. You don't need to know the gory details, but the objective function you do need to know, and you need to control it. Mm -hmm. The objective function of the algorithms that worked for you should be determined by you. It shouldn't be determined by the company or the government or anything. It should be under your control. 
Absolutely. That was a great way to wrap things up. Thank you so much, Dr. Pedro Domingos. And if you didn't read his book, The Master Algorithm, you can order that and learn more about this. Thank you so much for coming on with me, Pedro. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. If you miss anything from class, these are my office hours. And here are some top takeaways about algorithms. Number one, programming algorithms is a lot like learning another language. An algorithm is basically a sequence of instructions. In order to tell a computer what to do, you have to use a sequence of letters and numbers to teach it how to communicate. Number two, algorithms are ubiquitous. While you might think you're just using an algorithm when you pick up your phone or your computer, it extends way beyond that. Any movie you watch, car you drive, anything automated like a washing machine, it's designed to work in a specific way, and the algorithm dictates that action. And number three, machines and computers aren't perfect. They're only as good as the humans programming them. That's where some of the dangers of algorithms come in. If there's a human error in writing that algorithm, the consequences can be detrimental. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on algorithms. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.